Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now, along with their Sunday performance jogger pants, so I can be business on top when I'm on camera, but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile, and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And our Charles Chuck Wagon Davies III, also known as Roger Pudactor. Only to me, though, because me and Charlie love the Ace Venturi movies. Uh, and I still think Jim Carrey missed out on a big opportunity to do a third and put a button on everything. That would have been awesome. And I still think the sequel is better than the original. But that's a conversation for another time because no one told me that the Wachunis were biters. So let's bubble B-Tuna our way into our Nations League takeaways with a look ahead to the semifinals happening in Las Vegas in June. But first, a reminder... Make sure you download and follow and leave a five-star review. If you listen to this on your podcast platform of choice, make sure you hit like and subscribe, turn on notifications if you watch this on YouTube. And we're up for an award. We're up for trying to win a trophy. And Soccer We Trust is a finalist in the soccer category for the Sports Podcast Awards, and we need your help. So please take a minute out of your day to vote. The link is in the description. All right, boys. Good to see you. Keith, coming to you first. And I see that uh, you have written that you are Chuck's limo driver. Mm -hmm. Chuck barely got here in time, so congratulations to both of you. (laughs) How are you doing, Heath? Well, I was driving fast to make sure Chuck could get to the show. Um, Also, (laughs) no matter how many times I tell him, let's just take his the S560 Maybach, he wants the limo. I don't know what he's got with limos. Uh, I don't know if it's like a nostalgia thing for him. You know, when he when he when he you know first started making his money, but I'll drive him (laughs) in whatever he wants. I'm just glad we got him to the show. I love it. I love it. And Chuck, how are you doing? Looking good in that Invincibles yeah. kit. Is that an I owe, Invincibles I owe kit a personal? lot actually to to Heath. Um, he he made it very comfortable. Um, so I I feel refreshed. I had a nice little nap on the ride, and so let's get going. I'm hyped. I'm hyped as well. Uh, I have written that I'm Chuck's maintenance man. So hopefully all of your shrubs are you know trimmed and hedged to your approval. Uh, it's 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 backbreaking work, but uh, I just want you and your family to be happy, Chuck. Just want to throw that out there. The, right. maintenance, the maintenance man does does the shrubs too. At the I mean, I, I I'm kind of a jack of all trades to be honest, and a real team no, player, Heath. So he, so I may or just, may not have sat have in your seat before lunch. when you were unavailable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, whatever. As long as the paycheck hits the bank account, I'm I'm a happy guy. I wish it was a little bit more a conversation for another time. All right, final four is set for the Nations League. We have U.S. taking on Mexico. 
And we have Ooh. Panama, who did the business. Panama, by the way, going down to Costa Rica and beating the Ticos 1-0. Very hard to do. And they did it. And they're getting their first appearance in the Nations League Final Four, along with Canada, who won their group. So Panama, Canada in one semifinal, U.S.-Mexico in the other. Maybe not what we wanted, U.S.-Mexico in the final. Got a little more sauce on it, but uh, we still get the matchup that we want. And uh, that's pretty exciting as well. But let's get into, before we kind of break down our final four and, and any kind of locks that we think starting lineup, let's how about some big takeaways. Let's look back before we look forward. And Heath, I'll come to you first. Let, let's, let's, what are your three big positive takeaways from, from what we saw over these two games with the U.S. men's national team? Uh, it was a nice, you know, cyclically, we always see this, right? March, and I think it's like the September windows where you get a chance to take a look at all your European-based players, right? You're coming out of a January camp. You have your MLS players focused on start of the season. So it was nice to see a wider, uh, broader pool of players and also just, again, what what it looks like um, with 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 the team of players. I, I like the idea of just introducing some new players. I like uh, Booth being added to this. I like Austin Trusty coming in. I like the fact that we got another look at a Mark McKenzie after quite Brian a few Reynolds. months. Brian Reynolds, um, Ricardo Pepe. Like I, I just think that it was a nice, nice, refreshing look at at the 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 players that we have in in the pool. And again, there wasn't anybody that's called in that's sort of on the back end of of their age, right? We're going to have a very competitive group that's all around the same age going towards this next World Cup. That we're going to have some serious. You know, we talked about Ricardo Pepe missing this last one and it being a shock there's going to probably be multiple shocks based on the size of this pool moving forward because it's not like we're phasing anybody out, right? You're going to phase out Zimmerman. You're going to phase out Aaron Long. You're going to phase out like anybody that's at their late 20s that'll be in their early 30s or or even older come the World Cup that now we're looking at a crop of players. I mean, they're, I think, I think they they'll be they'll, phased out. They, they're just not good enough anymore. Yeah, right. But but in, in theory, right, if, you're, if you were going to go with an Austin trustee who you didn't know in a big game versus – maybe an MLS player that's older um, or, or any player that's older, you might still default to that in a, in a big moment. In the same way mm -hmm. that we saw, mm -hmm. Greg Berhalter took a lot of chances, came come World Cup time, Cup time he, he defaulted to, to some things that, that were, were safer, like a, like a Tim Ream who hadn't been part of it, right? We were like, we need some experience on the field. Um, but yeah, I agree with you, Charlie. It's not, it's not just, a, I, I don't think phasing out is the right way to put it, but you can also look at anybody that's in their late 20s, early 30s and be like, oh, no, we're going to have much better options come 2026. And so we don't we can start using them now, which is which is, I think is an upside. OK, so, Charlie, I'm going to come to you, but I'm going to give you just three positives. You can you can build off of those um, or whatever you like to do. I like that Ricardo Pepe looked hungry. He had something to prove chip on his shoulder. Mm -hmm. I like when he plays like that. And long may that continue. Miles Robinson looking healthy. Looking mm -hmm. fit, I think, to his point, is going to allow us to phase out a few of the players that he mentioned. And I'm excited to see him, and, and long may he stay healthy. As long as we – and we're going to bring in – I wonder what Cameron Carter-Vickers, he played before the, the window. I think he'll probably play after it. Chris Richards got some questions about why they didn't get called in. Maybe they were nursing some some nagging injuries, and that's the biggest reason. But but uh, I want to see them back into the fold as well. But Mark McKenzie, obviously, emerging Austin Trusty, emerging as well. So that, that looks like a nice area where we got a lot of depth, which is great. And then Gio Reyna, back in the folds, allowing, I think, everybody to just change the narrative and just now start to look forward to to anything but <laughs> the Burhalter Reyna situation. Unless, unless there's more, Jimmy. Unless, unless there's, there's more. more. Well, do you know anything, Heath? <laughs> no, or? no, there's nothing more. But, like, you never know. Sure. You we, never we've, know. Seen, we've seen people shoot themselves in the foot more than once. Uh, That's true. We call uh, no, that we I, call that the Sebastian Legette on this show. I'm just kidding. Was that too soon for uh, that? I shouldn't have gone there. Anyway, Charlie, what are your positives? Positives. <laughs> I'll start with one: Anthony Hudson changing the formation. Okay. 
at least we've now have moved into let's play with the 10 and bringing Gio Reyna central. So to build off of Gio Reyna coming back in the team, more importantly, he's playing in an attacking midfield role central. And he there were a number of good things I liked from him in the, I think, in his movement. Um, it just wasn't consistent enough throughout the two games, but there were glimpses of what this player and what this position could do for the U.S. men's national team. Also in the Granada game, Christian Pulisic playing kind of just freely in that attacking third. He got to use the width. He came back and he played one touch. He is passing and movement. And I think that was because Scali stayed home. And and, and in the second game, we saw Anthony Robinson, what that looks like, because he gets so forward. And sometimes I agree with that. He he takes a lot of that space away. And Christian is at his best when he has space and when he's one V one. And in the first game, of course, it's Granada. So it's hard to say, okay, you know, that that's going to be what you're going to get from Christian all the time because the quality of the opponent's not as high, but more so the positioning of Christian Pulisic in that game where he was getting touches. Like the heat map is drastically different in that game than it was in El Salvador. And of course, Hugo Perez plans very well for the U.S. tactically. Um, but uh, given that, that, that was a positive. And then I'd say the third positive is just the introduction of new players. Austin Trusty, uh, Miles Robbins coming back into the team. Uh, those two players in particular really stood out to me in a positive way. Do you, yeah, think, I, do you would, guys I, think, Jimmy? Do you think ahead, that? Ahead. Do you think that Hudson's going to get fined for not uh, following the secret contract of the MLS quota? Do you think he's just going to take that on the chin? <laughs> I, I mean, he only had one MLS yeah. player in there, and it was Miles yeah. Robinson. And that's and, not the MLS uh, quota. And, and, he, le- and he left him off the team in the twenty-three yeah. man roster against Granada. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to get fined. He's going to get fined. I, you know well, that. Secret, maybe he doesn't secret, care because he's into him. You know, so whatever. He probably doesn't have a job moving forward in MLS. Not that his his. <laughs> record as a Colorado Rapids manager wasn't great anyway. Yeah. Uh, another thing, too, I thought J- Scally and, and Brian Reynolds were were good. I want to see more of them in the team and and uh, did what was asked of them. So I'm excited to see their involvement moving forward. All right, let's, let's talk about, uh, because we have to balance it out, let's get a little to the negative. Uh, any, any negative potential takeaways that you guys take out of this? Heath, I'll come to you first. Um, I, I can go first if that, if that eases yeah, some sure. of the, the pressure. Uh, I think... DK might not be the right fit. I know that I was calling for him in between games to get some valuable minutes. He got the valuable minutes. He got the start. Didn't make the most of it. He might not be the right fit for this particular team, and that's how it goes sometimes. I think that we don't have a backup six, which you we discussed at length post El Salvador and, and even Granada a little bit, where we need to start to develop that position and, and make sure we have somebody. We have Aiden Morris. Uh, you know, obviously, Kellen Acosta is, is still Charlie keeps there, shaking but- his head. Charlie keeps shaking his head. There is no better six in the league statistically than maybe in years than Aiden Morris right now uh, statistically in terms of like his contributions going forward, the balls won, like all the things that you want from a Charlie, number six. Charlie, Charlie. He's just not he, saying he, he's, he's going to get fined if he doesn't do, bring do, up an MLS player. Do, <laughs> do you not remember watching him play in January camp? Yeah, but I... It, it, and? Charlie, you've... You remember watching me play in some camps? Like, come on. I could also I could also round the corner. He'll get another uh, shot at another time. Yeah. I'm sure. We'll see. And there's going to be a I, lot of games this I, upcoming I, I'm summer. I'm just saying, uh, for me to say, n- not that he can't get there, but to say he's the already the answer as that six. Like that. There's- I'm not saying he's the answer, but what I'm saying is we need another six and give me another answer. I would play just 
a no, Weston no, there. No, that doesn't no, work. No, no, I've no, no sorry. There. No, you don't. Listen, listen, I'm hearing crickets and, and Charlie, I am your maintenance man. So I can come in and get those crickets out of that house. Yeah, yeah. Please, Jeez, Louise. <laughs> Charlie just tried to plug the drain with a toothpick. You know, the water's still <laughs> running out, Charlie. You know what I mean? <laughs> listen, listen, I also, I also say that it, I feel like we need a left footed left back. You know, I want to see us. We've got to have somebody in the pipeline that can be a real, not only like a, a, a backup to Anthony Robinson, but challenge Anthony Robinson. Now I know Scally can do, go there and do the job. Des can go there and do the job, but, and, and to your point, maybe that helps Christian do and be more Christian like Christian Pulisic and do his things. If he doesn't have that, that always wanting to overlap uh, outside back. But, but I feel like I would still like to see a proper left footer in that spot emerge yeah. in our group. So that would be one. And then the last one was just, continued trouble with the low block we really struggled in that first half against el salvador before they got tired and and we got to become a little bit more fluid and adaptable to those types of situations yeah uh, for me to that be was, satisfied okay that's all I, just for me I, to be I, satisfied i, I went first my, ne- my my negative was is on that but we've had plenty of like every generation you have that's the hardest it's games. the hardest area of the field to have consistent to like, success to, sure. to play like the team being off in the first half was a little disappointing with the group that we put out there Having said that, again, I think I I I I still like the upside of whether it's Pulisic at the ten or Reina at the ten, just somebody that's more connected. So as Charlie mentioned before, Pulisic getting the ball one on one when he drives inside, having players in and around him that he can combine with, bring in, know that he can relieve pressure, and it doesn't have to be a negative pass to go out to the other side. Mm-hmm. I think is going to be a big big change for us than than having a little bit more of a possession based midfield. Um, you know, maybe more of an attacking minded person that wants to take that first touch forward in that ten spot. I think is going to be a, um, a, a positive one, but I agree with you. A left, a left, a left, a left footed left back uh, would be good. And that start to the, the start to the El Salvador game was, I do was, have a name uh, though. Johnny Bornstein might still be available. I just oh want to throw that gosh. out. <laughs> he is. He's playing in Honduras, that's, isn't he? That's a deep cut. I think he's playing in Honduras. I don't know. He's, I don't know where Johnny uh, B is. Right where, where he's a saint. <laughs> isn't he, isn't he St. Bornstein there? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes our deep inside jokes, uh, just kind of overrun this Johnny. This Johnny's gonna think up. Johnny's gonna think I hate him, dude. I Way love that go, Johnny I love, boy. I love that guy. Oh dude. All right, God. all right, Chuck. Chuck, any negative takeaways for you? Maybe there were holy no. bat iguano. <laughs> um, <laughs> guano. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, negative just the El Salvador game as a whole. Ooh, I I, I figured, whole. yeah, as a whole. Just Charlie hates the national team. <laughs> that's crazy. Charlie, Charlie doesn't have any positive. Just because we we I felt like we got over that hump of having to play against teams that are going to bunker in and make it difficult. And then they look to expose us on the counter that we would have been able to adjust and make it a little bit more of a convincing game. So if, if you only get one goal, great. But I felt like we didn't dominate. It wasn't a dominating one zero. And to your point, Jimmy, no Tyler Adams. Well, then you play with two, two sixes, double pivot, and you still saw with a double pivot the lack of having someone read and break up plays, read the game, track down runners, put out fires. More like they a double happen. eight than a double six. And yeah. It, it just it, it wasn't it wasn't optimal for this group. So um that that's probably my my biggest negative. Uh yeah, of course you want players to succeed and, and take their chance. Uh, DK was in form with West Brom, but not not at this level. And and that's not to say maybe down the road he can't get get going into this level, but right now it's just the game moves too fast for him, and he's he's not 
he's not a couple of steps ahead. He's he's reacting. He's not proactive. And you look at the runs. I look at Ricardo Pepe's run just to to give you give you people some perspective. When on his goal, when Weston McKinney gets on the ball, it puts his head up, and you see that determination and the confidence with the run, and it's and it's kind of the timing of it all. You get the ball in the in the first half. There are many times where Gio Reyna breaks through. And if it's Erling Holland who's making that run, the ball's through. But DK just doesn't give you that confidence. He's not seeing the play before it happens. That's the the one-two that Gio plays and gets into the attacking third. His head before his head comes up, you should be on the move. Mm-hmm. And it's just too late. Okay, so let's talk. Let's say the Mexico game's tomorrow. Who who are we starting? Uh I got I got nine guys that I think now obviously but there's a lot remember, of time it's not European guys. No, 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 not the friendly in April 19th. Window. I'm talking okay. the Nations League semifinal oh, okay. in June. Oh, okay. Everybody's available. I got I got Turner for sure in goal. I'm going to go with Dest, even though there might be other guys that are getting much more minutes and are probably going to be a lot more sharp, but I just, I don't just out of respect. Uh, I got Miles Robinson and Tim Bream. I want to see more of that. I got Anthony at left back. I got Adams in. McKinney, I've got a gap. I don't know who, I mean, Anthony Hudson's shown he wants to find more of a 10, but is that Musa? Probably not. If looking at traditional tens, is it Reina Pulisic, Aronson? Uh, they got Pepe up top for me, yeah. assuming he stays where he is and, and continues to score some goals. Uh, and Pulisic on one side. The other one's open. I mean, I probably default to Timo Weah right now. So I maybe lean to him. But I wonder, that 10 spot gets interesting. And I think it, at, given that it's open, I'd say Gio. And hopefully he gets uh, some minutes, and especially against a game against Bayern Munich this weekend. But uh, that's kind of who I'm leaning towards. But I wanted to get your guys' thoughts. Heath, I'll come to you. Uh, I'm not against that. I, it's just it's so early. I it's, know We're it's, just, it's yeah. I I, I mean, it, let, let's let's. Can I give it a little bit more more shape because there's just so many variables to sure. get how about, how, now how, about, how about you do the same thing he did, but you can add like two two names per per spot or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that that would yeah. I, I mean, for for me, it's more of just like it's a we got a big gap till summer, you know. So I think I about it. somebody like Tim Ream coming off a long season. Are you like, uh, want to give him some 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 breathing room uh, I, and by the way my follow-up to that is that how long do you think Terry carries this on for in the national team all the way to 26 no chance so like at what point i'm not doubting the guy anymore i went down that path and it didn't 26 <laughs> as long as he's at fulham uh, mm-hmm. and playing in the prem then he's going to be included if he decides to leave because maybe he got so. a one he got a one-year extension right after this year yeah but uh, maybe after the next year, St. Louis says it's going to be hey, hard. Just we want you to come home. Scientifically, here you go. Yeah. You know, here's the bag. Here's the here's bag. The bag, and yeah. you take the bag. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, I, I I look at the same center backs for my setup: Matt Turner and goal. Um, left back again. Jedi is one that are, he just looked fatigued to me. So when I think about going all the way to summer, he's another one that I think about. Where maybe you're like, hey, give me everything you got. Two games, you're going to get plenty of time off for the summer before you go back to your club type of thing. Um, but he's still my, my number one. I would love to see Scally get more time or, or even, um, at, at, at right back. But again, going with the safer bet, I don't think Dest is going to get any better between now and then. Um, but as a gamer, um, I'm going to go with Scally at right back again. Okay. I like the idea of him sitting home or somebody that's going to sit home a little bit more against Mexico. Um, midfield three, there's no Tyler Adams, right? Well, he will um, be, he should be available in June. Yeah, but do you think they're going to throw him into a national team game basically out till June? Um, I don't, I don't think so. Okay. Um, so I would say I would say Musa McKinney, 
um, holding down the fort there. Uh, and then in front of them, that's where, that's where that 10 spot, I'd like it to be an attacking player. I don't want another, again, I like MMA, but I would love to, for us to have another option that goes, you know what? We're going to take a few more chances. Somebody that's a little more attacking mind, a little more selfish going forward. Uh, and so that's where I could see a, a, a Pulisic or, or a Reina being into that spot. Uh, whereas if, if, if it's not Reina, then move Reina to the left way right. on the right. And then up top, uh, Ricardo Pepe. Yeah. I think or, what's interesting. Or Balogun. I, Balogun would be amazing. I, I guess I changed the rules. I said, if, if the thing starts tomorrow and now I'm saying it's available in June and every player is available. So I, uh, I'm not very good at rule setting, obviously Chuck, but yeah, what, what would be any, 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 would you deviate at all from what me and Heath suggested? I, I find that it's nice for us to have another midfield ready to go. I think we know what MMA can do. We've seen it at the highest level and what it's capable of. And maybe the right opponent to do it again. It's a great World Cup. It's a great World Cup three midfield. Sure, but it, but but I think we need to be able to have and be ready for that switch if maybe we're chasing a game and MMA is not working out and it doesn't make sense anymore that we're ready as a team to, to go a different direction. Yeah, I'd say the only thing I'd probably change on the back line would be Cameron Carter-Vickers just because mm, he had a good, a good, good World shout. Cup. He's the star at Celtic. He's probably leaving in the summer. Best defender in, in, in the Scottish Premier League. So I would say it would be uh, Dest, CCV, Ream, and then Robinson. Um, good shot. Although Scally's probably number two, and and depending on the the fitness of of Dest, I think he'll be healthy. It's just a matter of is he rusty? You yeah, know, yeah. Training can only get you up to a certain point. Um, there is no one else that steps in. Although Musa did not have a good game um, in, in that game against El Salvador, hey, Musa Charlie. and McKinney. Yeah. My, my question on Dest is that like, you know how sometimes there were times that I didn't like I went in having not played in a month uh, to play against uh, that summer where we did England at Wembley, Spain in Spain and then Argentina, like all in a 10 day period. And I remember the conversation that I had when I wasn't playing was that like pick and choose your moments. Right. But I was more of like I my defensive responsibilities were were, were first and foremost to me. I, I, I fancied myself an attacking fullback. But when I think about Dest, it makes me hard to think about having that conversation with him, which is like pick and choose your moments. Cause you're like, you're telling somebody whose main yeah, skill yeah. is to, is to go forward in order to be like sound defensively or energy defensively that it worries me about that being like either he's an all in or all on or, or go with something more conservative, which was sort of my thinking. Sorry. Yeah. That's, it's nice to have the depth that we can put guys in spots that can maybe be more opponent-based, so I don't know. Lots to talk about there. All right, we're going to take our first break of In Soccer We Trust. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about Panama and Canada and their semifinal in this Nations League, and we'll get into the FIFA U20 World Cup and, of course, the big games for everybody to pay attention to this weekend, so don't go anywhere. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to In Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy with Chuck and Harry. And if, like us, you're a fan of the European game, make sure to check out another great pod in the CBS Sports Podcast family. It's called House of Champions with our friends Ian Paul Joy, Fabrizio Romano, Nigel Rio Coker, Michael LaHood, James Bench, and Jonathan Johnson. They're going to unpack the biggest games, of course, and the storylines from the top five leagues. The greatest competition on earth, the Champions League, and 
everything else that's happening over there. The House of Champions has you covered. So download and subscribe to the House of Champions podcast anywhere you find this one that you already love and adore. All right. As I promised before the break, talk a little bit about Panama and Canada, because I do think that whoever gets to the final will be a worthy opponent for whoever gets to that final between U.S. and Mexico. And I want to talk about the U-20 World Cup because it's moving from Indonesia and it looks like it's heading to Argentina. We'll break that down a little bit. And then, of course, we'll get into some big, big games that are happening this weekend for our U.S. men's national team players in particular and some transfer news. But let's talk about Panama because I thought they were excellent in the Nations League. Heath, I'll come to you first on this. They didn't give up any goals in their four games, including the two games against Costa Rica. And they find themselves in their first ever Nations League semifinal. I know this is only the second year, so there's not a lot of history to go off of there. And then Canada find themselves in a Nations League semifinal for the first time as well. Kyle Laird and Jonathan David both scored three goals each. And they are going to be forced to be reckoned with. So it's kind of like an immovable object versus an unstoppable force with these two particular, where you have a very good defending team versus a team that knows how to score a lot of goals for John Herdman and his guys. I think that's going to be a pretty cracking affair in that other semifinal. What do you got on those two teams in particular? Yeah, I mean, Panama is one where, again, remember how much we were praising Christensen going into World Cup qualifying because after Mm -hmm. five games, they beat the U.S. They were sitting in a really pretty position, and then they just with a team that we actually saw some bright things on quality just fell apart. Right. And now we're seeing it come back to life again, which is kind of disappointing knowing where they fell into the world cup qualifying um, conversation. But uh, a, a team that I think continues to, to, to put out, you know, good players, good young players coming through the system. So that's, that's where I'm at with, uh, with Panama as I still look back at the qualifying as kind of disappointed because we were talking about manager of, uh, you know, of the, the final round and things like that. And then they just didn't manage their final games in any sort of way, shape or form that was representative of the form that they had had, but certainly deserving of being in a semifinal now of, of the nation's league. And then Canada on the other hand, other end, another one disappointing at the world cup uh, who had so many chances, but now to see them again, Obviously, they've got a big team, big players. Um, I, I'd like to see kind of where they're at. Like, it was Canada on a run and riding the high of our first World Cup and look at all the quality we have? Or is Canada now a one, two, or three where they think maybe they're one spot higher than other people do um, in the region? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Do you think, Chuck, that Panama or Canada have a legitimate chance of winning this competition? Yeah, for sure. Um, I just want to say it. I want to hear I mean, you say it. Can- <laughs> It's probably more likely that Canada has the best chance to win. If if Panama were to beat Canada, which they did in the last round of World Cup qualifying, 1-0, that I think U.S. or Mexico, whoever advances, will beat Panama. But Panama is not – it's not an easy side to compete against. They make it very difficult. I think Karaskia, Coco Karaskia is – a fantastic midfielder. I mean, this is a, a top player. Unfortunately, he plays for Houston, and Houston are – are, are kind of hopeless in this league, even though he plays with. <laughs> oh no, dude, uh, I, hey, I did, I, I did Houston last weekend, and they were nasty against NYCFC. I'm not even kidding. Hector Herrera and Artur and and Karaskia, like and he wasn't playing. Obviously, he was gone. But that midfield's one of the like they'll make you chase it. They'll make you suffer. They'll make yeah, you chase the but ball. they have nothing up top. Oh, I, I don't disagree, but man, without one game. The way that they pressed, they had that young Brooklyn Reigns kid who's a U19 national team player playing in the midfield. Again, they didn't have a lot uh, necessarily going up top, but Hector Herrera is going forward more. But anyways, it's a conversation for another day. But what but what I'm saying is I was actually really impressed with with 
what they brought out considering the players that they had that, you know, again, a team's going to look at that and adjust to them now. But I, I was actually, uh, I came in with the same thoughts, Chuck, and I came out going like, man, that team's good. Yeah, I, well, they played the Revs and they were horrible. Yeah. They were atrocious. Um, but yeah, I mean, Karaskia, even Michael Murillo plays really well for Panama. Uh, Waterman up top and and Quintero, they, they just cause problems because they're active. They they work well together. They're It's a good unit. So, um, Did Costa Rica it, challenge Mexico, by the way, in the last Nations League semifinals? I remember Honduras really put the U.S. to the test, right? Could have had a couple chances. Yeah, they, they did. Remember, Venus, well, actually. Charlie, remember, you didn't have do you, do you remember all the saves? Uh, because um, they had a backup keeper and he was phenomenal. But they took Mex they, they took Mexico to the distance. I mean, they, they made it difficult. And uh, Guardado missed a penalty. Uh, mm. So, yeah, I mean, Costa Rica has has, has fallen off completely. They, they that generation that carried them for so long is is now. Oh yeah, with over. the penalties. So, That's right. That game with the penalties. Um, Mexico Mexico Costa Rica zero zero. Um, I remember. Yeah. So like, uh, anyways, it, it was just a thought. Sorry. Sorry to yeah, interrupt. But, but just about teams this, having a chance to win the nation's league. Yeah. Th that game could, could definitely go to penalties. Um, but yeah, I, I think Canada is probably going to be the team that comes out and assuming we I, beat Mexico, I, I, I want to play Canada. I, 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 exactly. Yeah. I, I like I, Canada's I want the best them. team in I hockey cap right now. Yes, that's that. They're, they're the top team until we beat them. That's how it is. They won want a piece the world of Cup qualifying. They're the top team, even though they had a, horrible world cup but that was more so the i'd say Arrogance lack of John lack Herdman. of the lack of experience you're being very diplomatic right now <laughs> absolute arrogance of Herdman. <laughs> yeah. from what i heard too this is a fact the croatia croatia coach the national national team manager is a very calm guy never swears doesn't raise He's like his the, voice. Carlo, the croatian carlo ancelotti then. yeah everyone everyone yeah great guy. guy after that after herdman said those comments he went into that locker room before the game and lit him up like yelling like saying you're playing for croatian pride they said we're like it's us against them like and he said uh, the it. players came out just like we're gonna run you over and yeah, that's yeah. what happened. So Herdman <laughs> lost them that game against Croatia. I agree. So I, I just think, well, and they're in the group. Well, they went up 1-0, and they also just tried to go for the second instead of like being a little bit more, we don't have to rehash that. Yeah, but that they're, they, they're in the group of death, right? So yeah. I think they they grew a lot. Um, they matured. And so U.S.-Canada final and Nations League in Vegas, I'd love that. I would you love that get too. Through, you got to beat Mexico too. Of course. Mexico not being in a final in, in the Nations League, oh, that's hurt. It's gonna hurt. It's gonna Diego, hurt. Diego Coca hasn't been good. I mean, he hasn't been convincing. He's, games. Know, He's got two I, games. He's got one win and a draw. He has not. He has not brought in new players. He hasn't done any. There are like new tweaks to the system. For me, if you're watching, you're not. You're not really inspired by Diego Coca. If you're the Mexican, uh, if you're a Mexican so, national so team supporter. So what you're saying is his first impression hasn't been good, and and. A lot of people. Get it's true. Tata Martino had a, a positive one, right? He did. I'm in they, love they hated him with at the, the Coca. I don't know. They they when he won the titles with Atlas, which was the first time that Atlas had won titles since 1951. So they're like the Tottenham Hotspurs of Mexico for a long time. But but uh, he, I said Hotspurs. Sorry, Hotspur. I think I made some Spurs fans cringe there. I I he didn't he didn't play a back three like he did with Atlas, and I think he's very comfortable in that formation but went to a back four 
with the national team. And I wonder if that changes moving forward, or maybe he doesn't think he has the personnel to make that happen. So yeah, my, for me, the jury's still out on Diego Coca. It's way too early, but uh, this, this summer will show a lot as they do the nation's league against us. And then we have a friendly against them in April. And then of course the gold cup as well. So a lot of opportunities to see what yeah. he's made of. Right, I want to talk about the U 20 world cup. It's happening from May 20th to June 11th. And it was slated to be in Indonesia. And the Indonesians were thrilled to be able to host a tournament of this magnitude. And I think we're very proud to make that happen. But apparently FIFA, there's a statement FIFA says that FIFA has decided due to the current circumstances to remove Indonesia as the host of the FIFA U20 World Cup. A new host will be announced as soon as possible. The dates of the tournament currently remaining unchanged. Potential sanctions against the Federation from Indonesia might also be decided at a later stage. Now this gets, uh, there's, there's some political stuff that's going on here, but ultimately there was some follow through. There wasn't some follow through on maybe what, from what I'm reading in between the lines, and I'm totally paraphrasing that, that Indonesia didn't follow through on what they said they were going to do. And that led to FIFA having to make a pretty quick decision. And now it looks like Argentina is going to be the host. What's interesting about this boys is that Argentina didn't actually qualify for the U20 World Cup. And now that they're hosting, they would qualify for Weird. The, the U20 World Cup. And huh. uh, yeah, Mas yeah, Javier Mascherano is the coach, and he yeah. would be the guy to make that happen. They've got some tremendous U20 players. It's a bit of a bit of a surprise. And I wonder if that's the the obviously they, given them winning the World Cup, like that's the energy. Like we need to have our U20s in this competition. We'll host it. We'll figure it out. They've like, got the most the titles. They're the dominant U20. I mean, it hasn't been recently, but they're the only one with six six titles, uh, the U20 World Cup. U20 World Cup's a, a tough one now because the game's getting younger in terms of who you get released for it, what teams that you have. Some of these bigger nations, right? You still have U20 players that are stars that aren't getting a sniff with the first team, whereas like all of our all of our players are all U20s that are like our starters in our in our national team now. Yeah, it's gonna be really interesting. And I wonder the group draw hasn't happened yet. And then I don't know if they made a decision on Indonesia because they were supposed to also play in this tournament. And now they automatically qualified as the host. And now I don't know if that's going to be stripped from them as well, which would be a real shame for those kids that that deserve that opportunity. And we're building up to this. So I, I wonder what FIFA does with that per se, but the draw hasn't happened yet. And it'll be interesting. From, from our region, the Dominican Re Republic are qualifying for the first ever U20 World Cup. Guatemala. Honduras and the U.S. Uh, are all in. Our best ever finish was fourth place in 1989. Just so you have a frame of reference in terms of uh, what we, what, <laughs> how far we've gotten in this particular competition. And uh, any other first timers? Israel's in for the first time, which was uh, what's what's causing a lot of this with regard to Indonesia. And I'll let you read on it so you guys can understand the implications that are happening uh, in that country and and why this is a big deal. And then, uh, yeah, but Dominican Republic being in is, is pretty sweet. So there's some good teams. Uh, I can read them out. You got Iraq, Japan, South Korea, Uzbekistan, who this is their fifth appearance. You got Gambia is in for the second time. Nigeria, Senegal, Tunisia. Four. You got Brazil, Colombia, Ecuador, Uruguay. And now it's going to look like Argentina. So maybe uh, Indonesia will be out. You got Fiji, who's in for the second time. New Zealand, England, France, Israel, Italy, and Slovakia. That's going to be a, that's going to be a great tournament. It's going to be on Fox Sports and Telemundo. And again, the tournament is going to run from May 20th to June 11th. And uh, I'm excited about it. And I'm excited to see how we how we do. And I want to see what our group is. The group draw has not been 
done yet, so we'll have to wait and see. But uh, we're in pot one, baby. Pot one. Let's go. We are in pot one. Hey, it feels good. Hey, it feels good to be it feels good to be liked, you know? Feels it is, it is. So so right now it's looking like basically what I'm seeing is that Indonesia would be out and Argentina would be in. So Argentina would be pot one, Uruguay, us, France, Senegal, and Italy all in pot one. Ooh, so that that's uh, a we good could pot. we could draw England, Brazil, New Zealand, Colombia, Ecuador. I mean South Korea. It's good. Bring on England. I yeah, I, I would like that. That would be fun. Yes. Yes, I would like that a whole bunch. All right. So there's a another thing that came out, and we discussed it on our little uh, group chat. But uh, somebody put out a tweet about the biggest underwhelming signings this year in the Premier League. Oof, oof. They, they put in Anthony, who left Ajax to join Eric Ten Hag, where he was being coached by him to join Man United for, what, 90 to 100 million, or maybe more than that. Uh, Michaela Mudrick, who left Shakhtar Donetsk to join Chelsea, which Chelsea did that to sabotage Arsenal, who were looking at him. And it looks like Leandro Trossard, who they got in replacement for Mudrick, is probably... <laughs> actually helping Arsenal more than Mudrick's helping Chelsea. You got they, they threw Richarlison in there who left Everton to go to Tottenham. And then Brendan Aronson. They put Brendan Aronson on this top four list. And that guy just took a stray because these other guys are going for 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 million. And Aronson went for 32 million. And yes, he might be underwhelming in some capacity, but you can't be on the same list as the, uh, these guys are... I'm not even saying these are flops, but that's kind of what they're intimating. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on this. Uh, Heath, Heath, you want to talk about this? Because I've got some other like-for-like comparisons that are bigger flops um, or more underwhelming, I should say. Yeah, I feel like he just went after people that are in a category of like kind of somewhat being somewhat unproven at the level that they were purchased for versus the ones that they spent a fortune on. And they were like, yeah, but they're big stars. Give them time to adjust. And like, they need time to, you got to build a team and a system around them. He went for the guys that are like, show up now. Tell me, tell me who talks like that. Who are you mimicking? This is, this is ITV uh, football, by the way, ITV football, put this out. Yeah. I'm not mimicking anybody. I'm mimicking more (laughs) tweets than anything or people like, yeah, they need to, you know, you get your player. Like they need time, you know, let them, let them adjust, you know, like they're big stars. You got to build a team around them. It was like Brennan Aronson. They're like, he just runs around. When he's good, they're like, yeah, he's so efficient. And like, he just runs around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's funny how they judge one player. I'll fight anybody who puts him on Brennan Aronson on the flop list. You know, I got too much pride for that. I, I think what's interesting is that there was another player that got signed for the same, almost same exact value as Brennan Aronson. His name is Gonzalo Guedes. Came from Benfica and PSG. And and he was supposed to be the guy. Signed with Wolves for, for 32. And... He's already back with Benfica. And That's just good no- business. That's just good business on yeah. him, to be honest. I mean, 26 years old. <laughs> Everybody wants the Premier League anything. money. Uh, yeah, and just, and just, and just the Wolves don't want him anymore. Yeah. Just couldn't fit in, did whatever, didn't work, and wanted to get back to where he felt comfortable. And and that, that for me, feels like a bigger underwhelming signing than throwing Brendan Aronson in the mix. So that was one I wanted to throw out there. Uh, Chuck, your thoughts? Yeah, my thoughts are... I think he's just a record signing for the club. So you put that into account for leads. That's a big, big investment and a signing. So given those parameters, it makes sense because he, he has been very underwhelming for, for a team that. Especially after a bright start, right? Where he did come out firing. Right. And, and you were brought in to replace a, a player who was going to Barcelona, who basically, Kept them afloat last year. And I know Rodrigo not playing probably has had a big effect uh, with, with the squad. But 
I mean, that those are the expectations. What do you what do you expect going to the Premier League? This this is it. You gotta deliver. And you you're waving the American flag where you go. It, it's a gift and a curse, right? So I think when you're in England, people are gonna be a little bit more harsh and, and critical of you. And especially when you come with that price tag. But I, I love the way that he's just fighting it and and battling back and focusing because he could have easily just kept going down and he's he's coming back up. So um, it's just a matter of time before he it finally clicks for him with with his team. Yeah, I'm looking at these other numbers from different players. Now, these are guys that are just signed this past summer in this January transfer window. You can name, I think, plenty at Chelsea. I, I look at Man City, Calvin Phillips. You know, he coming from Leeds. Hasn't flop. 49 million. For, Flippity for, flop flop. I mean, that's that's <laughs> one that I would throw out there. Uh, just Anthony. Fish out of water. 95 million was Anthony Casemiro. They paid 70 million for Lissandro Martinez. They paid 57 million for Man United. Must be nice to be a fan of that team. Uh, who? Uh, I th- let me look at the Chelsea ones. I mean, you have Fofana that was 70 million. You have Mudrick that was 80 million. And I feel like there's one more there. I just got to find them. And Enzo Fernandez, 120 million, dude. What? Mm. Mudrick was 70. Sorry. Fofana was 80. Mark Kukurea, 65, dude. Raheem Sterling, wow. 56. No problem there. I don't know, man. It's, it's, when you think about where Brendan compares to some of these guys, I, I just feel like in terms of underwhelming. But to your point, and this is a great one, Charlie, him being the biggest signing in Leeds history, you're going to have a different type of mm-hmm. target on your back for sure. So, yeah. It, it is. Know. We're obviously going to be defensive. I mean, we're defensive because because it's him. But like you know, if we had looked at that for any other signing, yeah, the the world has changed in terms of what they spend for players. You know, like 80, 90, 100 is not abnormal anymore. But you certainly should be doing more for 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 the team. Uh, having said that, he didn't ask for that transfer fee. They just paid that for him. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kai says you guys are just looking at it with your red, white, and blue oh, dollars. totally, Kai. You're Aaron, not wrong. Aronson is going to be in League One soon if he doesn't step League. What? That's Kai, the division, what? Kai. Kai, Kai, we love you. You you always here. We gotta we, we, we gotta take this you. offline, Kai. We can't. League we can't. one. Come League on, one. Jeff. Come on, come on. All right, we're gonna take our second and last break of In Soccer We Trust. When we come back, we got some big games to break down for our player pool. So do not go anywhere. Welcome back to In Soccer We Trust. I'm Cream Cheese with Chuck Wagon and Hollywood Harry, and we want to tell everybody to not miss a second of action from the greatest club competitions on earth, the Champions League and the Europa League, to follow the biggest stars from the world of the beautiful game like Vinicius Jr., who scored the winning goal in the Champions League final against Liverpool last season for Real Madrid. Victor Osimhen, Napoli trying to win the double, the Champions League, and the Scudetto in Serie A. Looks like they're going to win the Scudetto for the first time in 33 years. Erling Haaland, who's currently hurt, so we'll see what happens there. Marcus Rashford and Angel Di Maria as they try to clinch continental glory. Stream every match from the Champions League and the Europa League. And if you're into it, the Europa Conference League. Live only on Paramount+. Plus, and you can try one month free with the promo code ADVANCE. So go make that happen. A lot of big games forthcoming here until we wind up the final third of this season. All right. So speaking about some European fixtures, there's some big ones. We have Napoli, who look to be the current champions, as I just mentioned, with Victor Osman. Taking on AC Milan. They also play against each other in the Champions League quarterfinals. First time Napoli's ever made the Champions League quarterfinals. So they got a two-legged affair there. Napoli played them this weekend. Napoli have only lost once at home, but it was to Lazio a couple weeks ago. What a year for the But they are on fire. They have a 19-point lead with 11 games to go. Milan are the reigning champions, but don't seem to be firing in the same way. 
and they def- desperately need to get some points here to stay relevant in the top four conversation. So we have that game. Now, I don't know. There's no Americans playing in that. So, oh, I guess Dest is a possibility. Yeah. Probably not. And then and then you have Bayern Munich hosting Borussia Dortmund. Now, Thomas Tuchel took over at Bayern against his former club, Dortmund. You have Gio Reyna hopefully factoring in because Julian Brandt is hurt. You have Kareem Adeyemi, who's still out. So hopefully Gio can get some minutes and make the most of those minutes and hopefully start. That would be amazing. But it doesn't look like... Dirk Klassiker. Yeah, Dirk Klassiker. And then you got uh, Man City taking on Liverpool. No Americans in that. But that's going to be a cracking game. But we do have Arsenal versus Leeds, which will have an impact. And Leeds are terrible away from home. Terrible away from home. Tyler Adams is going to be out this one. But it looks like Aronson and McKinney. And McKinney will be playing that kind of roaming six like he did with the U.S. next to Mark Roca. Let's start there with Arsenal versus Leeds. I don't -hmm. know what your expectations are. Arsenal are very good. You know what? I'm going to go to Charlie first because he's wearing the Arsenal jersey. How are you feeling about this game and, and how it looks for our Americans in particular? Hit him with it, Charlie. Hit me with it. I think Leeds is catching that L. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's just call a spade a spade. <laughs> a spade, this, a spade. Is, this Leeds team is catching a mighty L. Um, <laughs> Arsenal, their main focus is the Prem. And I, I know Leeds are trying to stay up. A draw would be amazing for Leeds if they're able to do that. But Leeds have two, uh, Arsenal have too many dangerous players. Um, and Trossard has been, a f- we'll talk about a signing that has, I think, blown everyone out of the water in terms of impact and value. Arsenal got all the value from, from signing Leandro Trossard from, from Brighton. So, I mean, you, you look at some of the players that, that 1v1 ability, uh, Bakayo Saka is just a, that now number two on England, they're saying he's, he's the player under, Harry Kane um, to to push England forward, so it, it's going to be a really difficult game for Brandon Aronson. And uh, I mean, you look at Aronson having to play against uh, the best center back pairing in 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 the Premier Premier League right now. It, and well, the midfield, Granite Shaka is going to be, be should be out. Around. So holding holding can be in, and his new him and his new hair. I don't know uh, if they can hang with Brendan Aronson to be honest. <laughs> Yeah. Apparently, apparently, League One, Brendan Aronson, according to to Kai. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're just looking at these games, the, the 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 excuse is always to go down the route of like, yeah, but you know, Arsenal can do it against the big teams when they get up for it, but it's always hard against the lower table teams. But they've they've literally from 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 Crystal Palace, who yeah, they're in twelfth place, but they're still essentially one or two losses away from being near the relegation. There's like a twelve to eighteen is like or nineteen is really really tight right now and they've just been handling all those teams with ease and to be at home it's just i i love the any given sunday mentality of leads especially with the new manager i think they'll stay in the league but this is not the one where they're going to get those points to stay in the league but it'll be this fun to watch not the one <laughs> okay well leads leads this ain't it dog one two out of the last four and one was the last one before the international break they beat wolves mm-hmm. away from home four to two they seem to have some success there they did beat liverpool at anfield earlier this season so we'll see. That was probably Jesse Marsh's most famous victory as a Leeds coach, despite that 3-0 at home over Chelsea. But uh, yeah, a lot of work to do to your guys' point. All right, let's talk a little uh, Chelsea because the Blues of Chelsea, and hopefully Christian Pulisic gets the start from here, are hosting Aston Villa. Now Chelsea are currently in 10th place. They have two wins and a draw in their last three, though, so things look to be on the up and up. And they're only actually four points behind Liverpool for that sixth spot to get into the Europa League. So so 
you know, 11 games left, a lot to do. Christian Pulisic looking pretty sharp for us, especially in that Granada game. Maybe looked a little tired, trying to do too much against El Salvador. Not as impactful, Heath Pierce. But, uh, yeah, I'm very curious to see if he gets to start in this one under Graham Potter coming out of the international break. I will say this. I mean, Christian Pulisic looked good. Um, you know, and I've always felt like, you know, he was a guy for a long time that came back and found his form in the national team uh, again. But then we saw this gap where he kind of just didn't look himself for, for a pretty long period. But he looked, you know, and it's easy to say, yeah, but it's against El Salvador and it's against uh, Granada. But, but he, he looked like that's the Christian Pulisic that I, I know and love, that we've all know and love. Um, so would love for them to at least take some of that in consideration or that he's replicating that form right now in the club every single day. That's going to get him a burn from now to the end of the year. Cause I think that'll set him on, you know, the right path of where the next club is for him. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. to go out on like mm-hmm. a, yeah, he's kind of moved on from Chelsea, but you could see what he is versus like a guy where you're like, well, we've, we've seen his highs. We've seen his lows. We don't know where he's going to go. So hopefully he gets a burn. Okay. So Charlie, I'm going to pivot over to Bournemouth versus Fulham Bournemouth, uh, stuck in the relegation zone right now. Have some recent wins over Wolves and Liverpool. And they, uh, they've they only lost one of their last four at home, which is what's happening. They came against Man City, so nothing to be ashamed about there. Fulham, though, winless in their last three. It looks like they're going to be welcoming Joao Paulinha back into the team, which is important because uh, he was their top signing in the transfer window. But, uh, you know, curious to see how they come out of the international break as well, specifically Tim Ream and Anthony Robinson and, and uh, what their manager does with regard to their playing time. I feel like our players have to fly farther than maybe some others. And so during this international break in particular, maybe the South Americans as well, but um, thoughts on Fulham and, and uh, what you expect from them, because they're starting to drop down the table a little bit I, I see, after I a hot a, start. I see a draw in this one. Okay. Okay. I um, think Tim Ream plays. It just has draw. Yeah. Tim Ream plays. Yeah. I don't know if All Anthony right. Robinson plays just because he, he did look fatigued. Yeah. Um, but I see I see a draw in this one. Both teams, you know, Bournemouth are gonna be smart. They're obviously trying to win the game, but a draw is still moving them in the right direction. So a point probably seems fair for both because they're Fulham is still as as great as they've been this year, they've kind of hit they they've peaked, and I feel like this is the the moment where they can come falling down quick or they can just kind of maintain um where, where they are on the table. Well, speaking about Fulham, there's a rumor out there that they are interested in getting Joe Scally. Now they have uh, Kenny Tete, who's been 27-year-old Dutch player, who's been very good for them in this particular season. So Scally, maybe just some good depth. Interested if you think that would be a good move for him as our resident outside back, Keith Pierce. And then I'm going to take it one step further. And this is one that's going to come to you, Chuck, so you can get ahead of it and start thinking about it. Brandon Vasquez is being courted by Borussia Mönchengladbach, which is mm-hmm. Joe Scally's current club. So I want to get your thoughts on that. But let's go to Scally to Fulham first, Heath. Good move? Uh, Scally to Fulham. I, I Too many I, Americans in the back line there? No, no I actually I, – I, I like it because, again, what, what I like about Scally is that he there's, there's not one part of his game where I'm like, oh, no, like he doesn't fit. Like he's pretty well-rounded of being a two-way fullback, but – He's got the physical. He's got the physical stature to be able to play in the Premier League. He's got the like those types of aspects to his game, which I think is really important. He's quick. He's young. Um, my worry is more in the traditional sense of of what Fulham have gone through over the years. They're in a very stable position now. Fulham now, yes, I think that's a great opportunity for him. Fulham, you know, as we know, is like you said, they're they're kind of on the downtrend right now. That kind of high seems to be over. Uh, Fulham in the Championship, like that tor- sort of thing, don't love it. 
Um, and it's tough to get out of those types of situations. But given if we were talking about today and, and the Fulham stability that I think that that team has now, I love it. Okay. And then now let's talk Brandon Vasquez, mm-hmm. potentially making the move to the Bundesliga and Richard mentioned Gladbach. That would be a big move. I'd be, I'd be very excited for him because it, it would be, I, it'd, it'd be, be a phenomenal. nice fit because they're a team that, that likes to get forward and get after it. And I think he could be a guy that could get on the end of a lot of stuff there. It's one, a very good team in the Bundesliga. Uh, I I remember going to a game back in the day, actually when Casey Keller was keeper, and I just I remember being like, these fans are committed. It's a it's a great atmosphere and environment. Borussia Mönchengladbach, Michael Bradley had played there, so I, I do see him fitting in really well with this system. He'd be replacing uh, Marcus Taram, is is what the word mm-hmm. on the street is. So for him to come into that system, uh, I think he would I think he would crush it. I really do, and that would give him. The, the credibility and the liftoff to kind of come back, back into the U.S. men's national team and be like a main fixture. But it's one thing to score goals in MLS for FC Cincinnati. It's another thing when you're scoring goals in the Bundesliga for Wolfsburg with his, uh, for, for Mönchengladbach with his quality. Right. It's a, it's a big difference because PFUC was doing the same thing. That stopped. And we all know why, because he just doesn't have the – physical movement like the ability of athleticism that is kind of required to play with this young like energetic group uh with of the u.s men's national team well you're bringing up marcus Taram. he's got 12 goals and three assists for a bunch of gladbach the season 25 years old looks like he'll be making a move in this upcoming summer transfer window and really his only other competition is 30 year old alassane playa who is good on his day i've seen him score a bunch of goals in the champions league i remember him scoring like three or four against Shakhtar donetsk one time in, in one game He's got a lot of assists. They move the ball around a lot. And I think Vasquez could really benefit from this. Yeah, I think it would be a great move, and I'm curious to see what FC Cincinnati is going to do. All right, let's pivot okay. a little bit. To, real to, go real ahead. quick, go Jimmy. Yeah. Playa was nasty in France, for the record. Like, he hasn't been the same player since he came to Germany, and that was a big transfer because he was linked to a lot of big clubs. But, yeah, to replace that, if you remember, like, Gladbach has always liked a big target striker. You have Taram, big target striker. Remember when Rob Friend was at Gladbach as well? A yeah. big target striker. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. there's, there's just that aspect of that game, even though they are actually a possession based over the last couple of managers. Um, I like it. All right. So let's talk now about week six of MLS. This will be our last foray into it. We'll make it our final thought. Any games that stand out for you guys this upcoming weekend? I'm going to go first because I want to make sure I get it and none of, none of you guys take it. I, I St. Louis hosting Minnesota United. Nobody can take down St. Louis. They're the Invincibles. And They're the Invincibles, Charlie. Invincibles. They're the Invincibles. They're, yeah. they, I mean, Charlie's got the jersey on. They need the St. Louis Invincibles. Joao Kraus up top has been going sick for them. I, it's, it's really unbelievable how, how well they've performed. They are one of four undefeated teams right now. So St. Louis... But they're the only ones that are that are untouched. Five wins, zero draws, zero losses. LAFC, three wins, one draw. Minnesota United, also another undefeated team. So St. Louis and Minnesota going after it this weekend is one I'm going to have my eyes on for sure. And I wonder if Minnesota can pull That's the strings and, and at least get a draw in some capacity. Uh, Charlie, I'll come to you. What's what's the MLS game that you're looking forward to the most? I'm going New England Revolution, New York City FC. Ooh, that's tasty. Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, I, I know, Heath, you got to, got to see New York City FC. It seems like they're not playing at their best right now uh i think defensively it's been very shaky and then just up top they haven't really figured it out with with the striker so uh new england on the other hand played three teenagers a 17 year old and noel buck who's absolutely killing it and then three 18 uh two 18 year olds um esmir byrak and uh, jack panayotu and 
they actually held their own. They dominated for for portions of the game against DC United. And DC United are a abysmal team right now. So um, Chuck doesn't like the Dynamo or DC United. Everybody, just if you're if you're taking notes at home, just want to. Catch I want DC United to be good. I, I have I, I played. I had to help, help me help you. Help yeah. me help, help you. Help yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, but what I will say is, man, they they have some some Bruce has kind of helped develop these young players, getting the uh, opportunity and. This is it'll be a good game. All right. Okay. And then Heath Pierce, close it out for us. What's our game to watch uh, in MLS this week? Man, I the games to watch for me are the are the teams that haven't won a game yet so far. So LA Galaxy playing at home against Seattle, who we know are sort Ooh. of red red hot to start the season. They still haven't got their first win of the year. SKC playing away to Philadelphia. They haven't got their win. Uh, tough games for all of the ones that haven't gotten wins, kind of compounding. Colorado Rapids at home against LAFC. They haven't gotten a win yet. Yeah. And then I think the other one was Vancouver. I'm not sure who Vancouver has. Uh, this they got Montreal. This oh, they got Montreal at home. So you Canadian know, Canadian Derby. Uh, the the other conference, I think, is all closed out. With some, everyone's got their win. That's when, like, you know how it is. Their season sort of kicks off at that point um, mm-hmm. of trying to create some momentum. So tough ones for those teams, but nonetheless, like those are the ones I got my eye on. I mean, every year this league just gets tougher and tougher. I think to have that that success, which really makes St. Louis stand out for me in a lot of different ways. I, I assume they're going to hit a lull, and we'll just have to see how long that lull. Tell me, is, tell is me. Going to be. Klaus, Jimmy doesn't remind you of uh, like a Berbertoff. The way yeah, he's like, got those vibes. Also, people have vibes. to stop passing him the ball so he can go one on one with the goalkeeper <laughs> uh, every game. I mean, that, also, that, I don't know when that's hey, going to stop happening. But they're, they're good though, man. They yeah. are organized. They like they don't they don't fall apart. Their shape is good. Like they just like again, you you see the makings of like. Again, that sort of like energy energy drink soccer of like Bradley Carnell having spent time with the Red Bulls. Um, what's his name? The sporting director. Uh, Lutz. Lutz. Uh, Lutz Fahnenstiel coming from like the Red Bull Hoffenheim world. Also, just sort of like they're very well organized. And though obviously they've been gifted some goals, but there's just there's not a lot of gaps in their team, which you don't really you don't always see. You know, um, there's nothing that they do unbelievably well. But they're also just like, if you're going to give us goals, we'll just take them and then we'll, we'll just win. A shout um, out to John Hackworth as well, who coached our youth national teams for a long time and has just been around the scene. I love that dude. He's an assistant coach there. Oh, for, yeah. For Bradley He's Carnell. I'm, I'm a huge John Hackworth fan. Yeah. Did he recruit that, you, Jimmy? Did he recruit you? Because he recruited yeah. me. No, I didn't. I didn't me. get recruited by Hack. Okay. I didn't get recruited by him, but I'm still giving him some love. And, anyway. then, he's, and then he said he broke, I, I broke his heart when I didn't go to Southern Florida. And then he left a year later to go to the 17s in residency. Yeah. So I was like, you know, you would have betrayed me. So. All right. <laughs> Yeah, shout out to Hack. Uh, yeah. We got to get him on the show at some point. Maybe if St. Louis continues to win, he can uh, kind of tell us his whole lay of the land and his story because he's seen some things, especially on the youth he's side of this. Things. And and yeah. just kind of where he thinks things are going on the youth side, given that he has spent so much time in that space. All right, everybody, that's the end of the show. I'm calling it. And Soccer Week oh, Trust is oh, wait, over. Wait, before that, I got to give what? one shout out. Uh, my boys are going to a tennis uh training session and this is the, in tennis we trust this is in yes but one of their coaches he's Foot a tennis, tennis pro adam he he tunes and he loves the show so shout out oh, to sweet adam. Oh, shout, oh, out, shout out. out shout, shout out. out keep working on that backhand with the boys Dang. okay adam that's charlie charlie just real. saved 90 bucks an hour <laughs> <laughs> yeah. adam you gotta start charging charlie more we've Char- got a whole bunch of houses and yeah. uh, and I know how much I make per hour being his maintenance yeah. man, and, and Heath is his limo driver. All right, that's the end of the show. On behalf of Producer Ness, <laughs> Producer Alex, Charlie, Heath, and myself, Trash Can, Cream Cheese, Conradino, Conrad, saying thank you for listening and supporting Soccer We Trust. And we'll see you next time. Have a good weekend. Let it. Up-